0: Here's Cavender lining up his birdie putt at the ninth to go 5-under and tie for the lead. With Harry Bailey dropping a shot at the 12th just moments ago, you wonder if things are perhaps beginning to turn in favour of the American. He's slightly below the hole here, looking at about 15 feet ahead of him, slight incline out to the left and of, of course that steep bank down towards the water that so famously cost Milton Link this championship all those years ago. Now of course the timer is running and although it's still showing a fairly healthy 1 minute and 50 seconds, Cavender does need to be mindful not to use up too much of what's left on this approach shot. He will of course need time for the final stroke should this one prove unsuccessful. Those of you with a more passionate sense of hearing, probably already able to discern the sound of the B-52 overhead and you can confidently wager Cavender has heard it too. Right, couple of practice strokes and off it goes. Ball running hard to the left to compensate for that incline. Legs look good but does it have the lungs? No, it's stopping about five, maybe five and a half feet from the pin. Cavender furious with himself there, clenching his fist. You can see the frustration on his face. 35 seconds left on the clock. Couple of practice strokes. Cavender addresses the ball, settles himself. Crowd around the screen absolutely silent. You can see the tension everywhere you look. And he's missed it. What a story. I would have wagered my very last pound note on Tyler Cavender holding that putt, a few gasps from the crowd as the ball appeared to move slightly to the left after the stroke and on the replay we've seen quite clearly the ball hit something on the approach but I'm afraid Cavender's only got himself to blame for that. Anyway, I can see the ground staff already approaching this enormous crater to clear away what's left of the crowd, so well done them. Just another example of the first-class organisation of this tournament and why it's a course that players and spectators alike look forward to returning to year after year. Okay, now let's see if Harry Bailey can respond to that. He himself is a three-foot putt for a birdie on the 13th just over a minute left on the clock we're going over now to Clark Johnson who's going to talk us through it. How's it shaping up over there Clark?
1: Cool King Battles the Shapes. Cool King was a confirmed pacifist, but not because it was cool. Cool King was a pacifist because he believed it was wrong for other countries to defend themselves when he invaded them. Expectations were high for the fifth year of Cool King's reign. The mood in the kingdom was particularly buoyant due to the fact Cool King had not declared war on any other countries for almost two months. And all the young people who would have died in yet another of his pointless and unwinnable foreign conflicts were extremely happy not to have been shot in the head by a sniper or killed in a horrible gas attack. And then the shapes came. It all started one morning when Cool King's head scientist was looking through the big telescope that had been stolen from a country where clever people lived. At first, he thought that the lens of the big telescope had just got some old muck on it because he could see a cluster of small circles. But when he cleaned the lens and looked again, there were 50 more circles and they were heading directly for the Earth. When he was told about the flying circles, Cool King immediately ordered his archers to the castle battlements. Cool King accompanied them, and because he believed strongly in being fair in warfare, he spent several minutes yelling at the sky in order to give the circles fair warning of their impending destruction. When the circles entered the Earth's atmosphere, they headed directly for Cool King's castle and arranged themselves in an enormous tower in the centre of the courtyard all of the scientists whom Cool King had kidnapped assembled in the courtyard and proceeded to exchange theories on the recent events. But because they were all from different countries, it just turned into a lot of foreign shouting. Fortunately for the scientists, Cool King arrived on the scene and pointed them all in the right direction. It's clear to me that these circles present a very real danger to the safety of my loyal subjects said Cool King. Summon the royal strongman and have this big tower of space circles pushed over immediately. Cool King ordered his axe wielders and torch bearers to join the archers in the systematic campaign against the fallen space circles. For nearly two hours the men hit the circles with their axes, shot at them with their arrows and set fire to them with their torches but somehow they remained completely undamaged. One of the scientists suggested to Cool King that perhaps the spaceships might have flown halfway across the universe in order to share their advanced technology, and didn't actually pose a threat. Incensed at the scientist's impudence, Cool King ordered the scientist to be beheaded directly in front of him. And as the man's head came to rest in a nearby flowerbed, Cool King felt confident he wouldn't be hearing from the spaceships ever again. But just to make sure, he ordered an intensification of the chopping, shooting and burning campaign and for almost two hours, the men attempted to chop, shoot and burn the fallen space shapes into submission. Then, just as quickly as they had arrived, the space circles all flew off back into space. Pausing briefly to kill countless thousands of Cool Kings loyal subjects, With the advanced technological laser beams, they had flown halfway across the universe to share with the humans. Fortunately, Cool King survived, because he was hiding in the enormous dungeon beneath his castle, and there wasn't enough room for anyone else, because also he had all his treasure in there so it didn't get damaged. So everything worked out nicely in the end for Cool King.
0: Using a square, eh? What, you need an accurate right angle, do you? What, is that what it is? You need to accurately draw a right angle so you're using a square. <laughs> well, I've heard it all now, I really have. And if there's anything else out there for me to hear, I don't want to hear it. Eight minutes before the bank robbery and you're over here drawing accurate right angles. Look, there's no time for that, sunshine. There just ain't. Stronheim and Donny the Walnut are waiting round the corner with a getaway van and you and me are going through the front door with the blowers. Two shots at the ceiling. Bang, bang, bang. Hands in the air, eyes on the floor. You know the drill. Fifteen bank robberies we've done together and you're here drawing right angles. What's the matter with you? you gone soft. Oh, you want to leave the criminal life behind, do you? Start a course in architectural draftsmanship instead. All right, fine. Sure, life but if you change your mind in the next seven minutes, you know where to find me. Hello, Nathan Pickledon here with some more poetry. Now, if you were listening carefully last time, you probably remember that I told you I'd sent a manuscript to a small publishing house in the hope that it might be selected for publication. Now, unfortunately, I have nothing new to report. But I did have a very pleasant telephone conversation with a young man at the company yesterday. He told me that my submission will be looked at very carefully in due course. It's reassuring for me to know that my work is in the hands of such polite people. This poem is called, When Will I Hear Some News? Midnight arrives, slowly unwinding the clock spring. What news will tomorrow bring? The sound of nothing is silence. The poet sits alone and wonders whilst the phone doesn't ring. Letters don't arrive and absence remains a hope unfulfilled. Thank you.
1: Does the very thought of going to bed make you anxious? Well, not anymore, because from tonight, insomnia is being made illegal in your area, and anyone caught wandering around their house after midnight will be arrested, taken to a secret research laboratory, and forced to take experimental sleeping pills until they fall into a deep sleep, from which they will almost certainly wake up. So instead of having insomnia, just go to sleep like a normal person and everything will be fine.
0: Hello and welcome back to injecting a wolf with rat hormones setting it loose on a crowded commuter train, fleeing the country and working in a Russian coal mine before dying in an explosion caused by a build-up of volatile methane gas. Last week, we learned how to acquire those hormones without arousing the suspicions of the authorities. And this week, as you can probably hear, I'm currently seated on the 7.43 train from High Wycombe, which is scheduled to arrive into Marylebone just before 8.30. The train is packed with people eager to start their working week. And there's a very convivial atmosphere throughout this carriage, with several people familiar to one another greeting each other as they board the train. I have my wolf with me here. He's being very well behaved, hiding under this lovely tartan blanket I bought at Derry Tom's yesterday. And in about eight or nine minutes, just as we're coming into Gerard's Cross, I'll be giving him his injection before alighting from the train, making my way to Heathrow Airport, where I'll be flying to Siberia to begin my new life in the mines. Really is a lovely part of the English countryside to be traveling through this morning coming down out of the Chilterns with the sun rising to our left and the the autumn wind buffeting the trees immediately bordering the railway line one is reminded of the poetry of Rupert Brooke and his splash of sun and shouting wind anyway Here comes the ticket inspector, so it's goodbye from me and I hope you'll join me next week when I'll be living under a false identity whilst working one of the most dangerous places on earth for the equivalent of about £30 a day. Goodbye.